I'm Justin Gerhardt. And I'm Eddie Fritz. Welcome to the Queer Network Podcast. Join us as we explore queer in the 21st century. Hi, I'm Greg Campbell. I'm an actor and a director and a writer in Toronto. I'm Clinton Walker. Uh, I'm an actor and a director, mostly a director these days, and I am directing out. It's a one-man multi-character show uh, about a young man, Glenn, who in 1977 in Montreal comes out of the closet during the disco days, and he basically kicks the door down and we see his journey of self-identification and he goes to he goes to gay bars he goes to a gay youth group and he ends up with his two best friends in new york city uh, at the gay pride march in 1977. i play 25 characters there are about five main characters and then a lot of uh, secondary and tertiary characters dimitri told me about this gay movie that we had to see at the seville repertory cinema it's called the Boys in the Band. I loved this movie. At the end, the lead character, Michael, he has a breakdown and he says the line, if we could only learn not to hate ourselves quite so very much. I get it. I know this feeling, the self-loathing. Glenn, you see that guy over there with the, the bad dye job and the roots showing? Stay away from him, dear. He is so full of himself. Well, of course I went home with him, and he talked all the way back to his place. By the time he got there, I changed my mind. I told him I had a herpes sore coming in, and I left. Ah! I try to get to the gym about four times a week. Yeah, you know, if you, uh, if you built up your chest and uh, your arms and you lost a little bit of weight here, you'd look great. You want to look your best, right? You know what the sexiest part of you is? This line, right across your thigh, right here. So, uh, can I take your number? You can pack your bags. I'll not have a queer living under my roof. I don't agree with homosexuals. We need to save our kids from homosexuality. Do whatever you can to stop homosexuality. Auckland, not Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman again. Why do you like this show, love? Are you attracted to her? She's so ugly. I play all the characters at once. So some scenes have six, seven characters all talking to each other at once. It is a bevy of interesting, well-defined characters. The, the characters are all based on real people that happened in 1977. I wrote journals back then, and a lot of the play comes from my journals. And some of those characters you may already have heard of. Um, the first scene is Mary Poppins and the two Banks children, Jane and Michael. I also play one of the um, characters from the village people, the Indian from the village people. And uh, I play several characters from the movie The Boys in the Band. And, um, and Anita Bryant, famous homophobe. I sing a song, which I won't <laughs> tell you the title of, but it's a sing-along. So, and underneath that is one of the best disco soundtracks that I've heard in quite some time. So what you've just said and the music that you hear, there's something accessible and memorable. And if you weren't there the first time around, there's something jubilant about accessing those cultural references. Yeah, uh, yeah people laugh all the time at when they recognize a character or a song or even the disco fashions I wore. Some guy came up to me and says, I wore those jeans too with the plastic uh, <laughs> pocket at the back. I had those. So yeah, it's very accessible. 
from our generation. And it's, uh, you know, a history lesson uh, served up in a great way for the younger generation. My favorite character to play, uh, there are several. Uh, one of them is a guy called Ivan. He's, um, he's got a, a bit of a lift before like this, and he's got a British, a British accent. Um, he's an outrageous um, sleep around. He has a revolving door in his apartment. People come and go. While I'm having um, a chat with him in bed, the phone rings three times and it's a different hookup every time. So he's just hilariously funny to play. Glenn, were you avoiding him at rehearsal last night? Well, it's just, oh, just a second. Hello? Oh, hello, Stephen. Yes, I'd love to, but uh, could we make it tomorrow instead? I just need to recharge my batteries, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, Stephen, we'll see you tomorrow then. Bye. Oh, he's just another little friend of mine. Now, Glenn, why don't you shimmy over here? Oh, <laughs> there he goes again. Sorry, it's busy as a beehive in here. Hello? My, my favorite character, though, I think, to play is Dimitri. Dimitri is the lead character, Glenn's best friend, who is very dry-witted, very quick-witted, and has his own language. He has his own words for things and his own, um, he names people according to what they look like, or he's just hilariously fun to play. I'm Dimitri. Haven't I seen you before? That's right, humanities class. I knew I recognized you. So what do you think of our teacher, Miss Pierogi? Don't you think she looks like a witch? Oh. You dropped your book. The Front Runner. I've heard about this. It's a, it's a gay novel, isn't it? Aren't you nervous to carry this around with you? I see. Secret to the success of this play is the talent of this man. He is an extraordinary craftsman. He has the ability to work physically, to work with accents in a way that makes my job easy. Um, with that said, it's not easy. Uh, it is a tremendous uh, challenge, but opportunity to see how one person can create a multi-character situation. The play would not be anywhere near as effective as it is now without Clinton's uh, incredible um, Thank you. input. Also, as a director, if I was acting it by myself, I would probably just go blah, 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 blah. But that is boring after one scene, you get really bored of that. But Clinton has, is a great director. He constantly is looking for what's the intention of each character at every moment. We keep breaking the rules and like, we haven't done that before, we're gonna try this. Some of the scenes I'm sitting in a chair and all the characters are kind of alive from the waist up. My bottom, my bottom half just stays in the chair. And that's a choice for that scene. And then another scene, I'm constantly walking. Each character is walking, walking, talking, walking, and we're all interacting physically. So Clinton um, has done an amazing job, at, and it's very, very inventive. And again, without him, um, you know, the show would not be what it is. Thank you. I wrote this play because when I came out of the closet in 1977, I had the best time that you can imagine. Um, the clubs, Montreal has always been a big club city, but in, in the 70s, it was a time of freedom and disco music was playing all the time. Like every, the disco music was kind of like the lifeblood of all the, of the gay community. 
Uh, we all went out dancing. We all were sleeping around. At the time, in 1977, there was no, there were no gay rights. There was wasn't a lot of freedom as a gay person. But downtown Montreal, there was no homophobia. There was very little oppression. So it was just a great time. That's why I wrote the play. I wanted to commemorate this time, my time um, as a gay man, and um, the struggle I had to overcome, you know, homophobia in in the outskirts, in the heterosexual world and um, to find my identity, you know, as, as everyone does. I wanted to direct the play first off because of the content. Um, of course, we've seen coming-of-age stories. Basically, it's a, it's, it's a staple in gay fare. But what made Greg's play different for me was the celebration of the journey. Often, with coming-out stories, the central character has to be punished, uh, there has to be turmoil, there has to be that moment when, when an audience cringes and goes, oh, I understand your pain, and uh, isn't that terrible? It, the viewer almost has to be punished along with the central character in order to, to, to come out. What I loved about Greg's play is, you know, not to say that there isn't a balance of, 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 of purpose and drama and comedy, but it is a celebration of our identity, and so that made it unique for me. Also working with him was, uh, was, was a benefit, was something that drew me to the project. Back then, there was no gay representation in the media, there were no gay role models, there was no one, there were no um, uh, couples that you saw holding hands on the street, I mean you, you just couldn't because if you showed any affection you could be beaten up. Mm -hmm. I mean like I, like I said before, you know, there was no homophobia, but I would never uh, put my arm around someone because I'd be terrified. But now, we've got gays in almost every TV show. Mm -hmm. There are fantastic gay movies with really positive gay characters. Um, Schitt's Creek on CBC is unique because the gay characters are just gay in a small town and there's no homophobia, there's no racism, there's no... They live just like a totally happy life. So sex in the 70s. Again, 1977 was right in the middle of like the best time, <laughs> the best time in the world for, for, um, for gay people because we've had uh, Stonewall in 1969. Up until then there was nothing, there was no, there was no freedom, uh, everyone was in the closet hiding and then the 70s, everybody was out having sex, cruising, uh, you know, it was a, a competitive sport, and uh, then 1981 to 19 to on, it was it was the era of AIDS, and everything stopped. So I was very fortunate to be part of the you know it was the continuation of the sexual revolution. Um, in I remember going out; it was not very difficult to find connection with somebody. Basically, in Montreal, you look somebody in the eye, and if you're attracted. That's it. You can go home right away. Magical. Um, magical. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, in the 80s, um, it, was, it was a horrible, terrible time. Um, Clinton, I'm sure you've lost friends. I lost many friends. Friends and actors, people in the theater. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking about you know developing sexually and who we are and how we how we love and and and, and how we have sex, the eighties did change everything. But it 
But I also look at because of that was my that was my era that it changed things for the good as well. Mm. We became better communicators with one another. We became um, we became plugged into what was happening. We became political mm -hmm. in a way that the 70s didn't really need. Mm -hmm. The 70s kind of let, let go of it because it was about the party. So I feel that the 80s was kind of a combination of those two things. You know, absolutely, there was a tremendous amount of loss, but determining who we were in that decade um, meant something. What do you think was the biggest um, loss from the 70s, that, that culture of the 70s, how people were connecting. What do you perhaps mourn the most or miss the most? I miss the freedom. We didn't think about using condoms. There was no, there was no fear. There was just no fear. Like there were, the, the worst thing is like just finding someone and, and being with someone you're attracted to and who wanted to be with you, you know, usual things, but. It's so funny in the play, Mario, I mean, the discussion about STIs is almost comical. Uh, between Glenn and Mario, mm. you know, it's it's joked about and it's, you know, Mario says, oh, don't worry about it. It's nothing, which right. to me was such an eye-opener, right? But, you know, even 10 years later, not only AIDS, but everything carried so much weight. Everything yeah. had shame attached to it. Yeah. Uh, and those two characters discuss it with, I, I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite scenes because it's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mario has he was he was much more active than I was, and uh, so he had all kinds of he had gonorrhea and lots of things, anal warts, which comes up in the play. Um, but uh, again, you, know, you just dealt with it and you moved on. But then in the eighties, like you, people stopped going out, they stopped having sex, they people didn't have indiscriminate sex anymore. I mean. It stopped. Like uh, people well, were using condoms, and they kind of did. They kind of did. It never really stopped. But <laughs> people were more cautious and more worried. And then people were getting sick. And uh, but, like you said, it galvanized the gay community to fight. I mean, Reagan didn't mention the word AIDS for the first five years in office. I think it was. Mm. That was absolutely infuriating. And um, in order to get anything done, gays had to band together and, and, and groups like ACT UP and um, groups like that, political groups had to fight, go to, go to government buildings and chain themselves up and you know, make a huge um, rally and cry. And uh, silence equals death was, was their, um, you know, the, the byline. Um, but that galvanized the gay community. We, we came together, we bonded, and uh, we gained a lot of rights. I mean, maybe that's why um, so much happened in the last 40 years. So many gay rights have been achieved. I never even thought ever I would see gay marriage. And now mm -hmm. it's everywhere, even in the States. Um, yeah, things really have changed in the last 40 years. And I think it started with AIDS because we had to fight for what we needed. I have to admit that the current state of gay is a bit of a mystery to me. The whole world of um, uh, grinder and scruff, like I, I don't, I don't, I've never gone on it. So, uh, but from what I hear, <laughs> I saw like a, I saw like a dinosaur. But from what I hear, people don't go to bars anymore. You, you just hook up and you flick, flick, flick until you find someone and you go over to their house and that's it. I mean. If we had that in the 70s, boy, things would have been so much easier. And um, 
you would have saved a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of drinking. Um, but then I wonder what I, I I wonder like where the gay community is now. Like we our community was the bars and the bathhouses and the cafes. I mean th th that's where we met. That's where we dancing was, you know, so crucial to our to our um, our world i also believe that when we when we did those things when we flirted and hit the bars and stumbled home drunkenly at at two in the morning we were figuring out who we were we right. were determining what what our parameters were and, and the defining characteristics that were going to make us i believe character is built when pe when you cruise someone in a bar and they go i'm not interested that uh rejection actually helps you build character it helps you walk away from the situation and go ow that hurts but okay i'm a big boy i can rise above it it's easy to to hide behind uh, our current social technology if you have low self-esteem right you can really be whoever you want you can suffer in silence and so there is a um, I guess there's a safety there I don't know how legit it is the way in which we're communicating has shifted I'm always trying to look at it through a positive lens because it's easy to get jaded about it it's easy to judge it from afar but I do have to recognize that we have fundamentally change the way in which we are communicating with one another and like anything else like any other progress that's good and bad um, I just hope that that there is the opportunity to continue building uh, stronger individuals and stronger communities even though we're using this uh, to, to, to connect with one another I hope I'm trying to remain optimistic there's something else I'd like to address. Back in uh, my day, um, back in the 70s, there was a lot of shame about being gay. Uh, you, didn't have, you didn't have anyone, you know, saying, hey, it's great to be gay, you're fantastic the way you are. Like when I, when I, I grew up, my parents didn't want me to be gay. And um, my dad was pretty homophobic, a uh, very macho guy. I'm sure I'm saying the same, I'm, I'm, depicting the same story that many many people mm -hmm. can relate to um, so it was a real um, battle to fight uh, what other people thought of me but what I thought of myself I mean, I took on my dad's homophobic behavior and, and, and attitudes um, and as I said you know uh, I was sort of femme phobic uh, I didn't want to I didn't want to come across as feminine um, and I don't think this is my belief I don't think things have really changed that much today we have all these you know rights and um, people say you know it's so great to be gay we can I'm totally free and I'm open and yet there's still a lot of drinking drugs uh, indiscriminate sex like just tons of um, escapism escapism mm. and why I mean if we're all so comfortable then why are we getting drunk you know every single day I mean I'm, I'm a little bit out on a on a limb here but um, I think we're still born with our parents going please don't let my, my kid be gay even though things have changed and society is much more accepting there's still I think there's still a lot of um, shame uh, unfortunately mm -hmm. Maybe not as much as then, but I think that's something that is still there. You know, there's still a lot of uh, kids hanging them, uh, committing suicide in high school. Yeah. They get bullied and they can't take it. And 
even though there are places to turn to, they may not know where to turn to. And it's, you know, it hasn't, I mean, I just think it's, there's a lot of, a lot of connection to the, to the way it used to be. Well, we're living in interesting times, aren't we, where we've made a tremendous amount of progress. The folks that have come before us have forged that path for us, and yet people hate us for that progress. People um, are suspicious of our motives. They are jealous of our achievements. And, and so I can imagine that not only the self-doubt and the shame that comes along with it, that somehow we inherently earn or is passed on to us. Maybe it is genetic, I don't know. Um, there is that outside influence of wanting to celebrate and yet still having to be safe and cautious because hatred is being uh, upheld as a right these days and as a, uh, as a way in which to justify any kind of behavior. Uh, Hatred, of course, is, is disguised as, you know, fair play or, you know, uh, family values. Um, we've yeah. heard all of that before. Um, so I can, I can see why it's, you know, looking at a young person these days, a young queer going, whoa, you know, not only am I defining who I am, overcoming the shame, but I have to be on guard not only from the outside, but even from inside our communities, because boy, oh boy, we've splintered mm. in a pretty tremendous way, even over the last 15 years. We've splintered and, you know, all you have to do is look at, you know, the 53 letters that represent our community to show that lots of people are trying to figure, figure their, their deal out. I think it's easier, of course, to come out and be yourself and, and identify in any way that you want, more so now than ever before, and that's really exciting to me. The interesting dynamic is, is internally within the community. I mean, we're seeing generationally, we're seeing divide happen. We're figuring out how to, refiguring out how to work with one another, how to listen to one another, and how to build with one another. Uh, so that is, although coming out and being able to have access to that is tremendous, there's yet another, um, there's another chore on, on our hands, which is who the heck are we with one another again, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're back here again. Yeah, back in the 70s, um, there, was, there was gay and lesbian and bi. And um, bi just meant, oh, he'll, he's just figuring things out, he'll be gay soon. <laughs> um, but as far as trans people, like, uh, there was just a lot of drag queens is what I saw. The, the bars, you know, there was a lot of um, drag performance in the bars. Um, and um, many of those people could have been trans. I just wouldn't have known. We've come so far and now trans issues are, the, are the, at the forefront. And uh, thank God. And, uh, you know, we have to fight for trans issues and, and for... Um, gay people all over the globe you know people can be killed for being gay in many countries so that's where the that's where the fight is now what is it that you want to communicate with with people right. who come to see the show from from the creators perspective well this is uh, a show uh, specific to my experience but I think talking about uh, showing people what my life was like and how I came out of the closet is a universal uh, story a universal theme Everybody on the planet 
has to find who they are. It's a story of uh, finding your own identity, of finding acceptance, love, um, of, of um, making a mark. And that's what I wanted to bring out in the play is um, just this search for and eventually at the end of the play a kind of a, a, a triumph of finding who who I am and who you are and um, it's very moving um, especially the last scene mm. uh, there's a little bit of there's a lot of self-acceptance by the end of the play and self-esteem and um, celebration I think what you've done so skillfully is created a joyful vehicle that's what makes this different, is that we walk away from this show feeling uplifted. It's also funny and accessible and filled with joy. It's meaningful and yet it's, it's a feel-good piece. Come out to see Out <laughs> at Buddies in Bad Times. It's on April 24th to May 5th. It's a two-week run. And uh, please come out and you'll have a great time. Tickets are available through Buddies in Bad Times Theatre. Mm -hmm. And online. Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Facebook, out the play. Thank you for listening to the Queer Network Podcast. You can follow the Queer Network on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join us next time for another queer conversation. <laughs>